Hi guys, welcome. Uh, I'm going to do a quiz debriefing here. So this is the one we took on Monday. Uh, if you want to take a look at it, uh, if you have any questions about any of the questions that you missed, I'm going to go through it um, and let you know what we were thinking when we made the quiz up here. Uh, all right, so number one was a graph question. You had to look at voter turnout. Um, and the question was about the range of difference in voter turnout between each presidential election and the following midterm election. I know it's tough without a visual, so if you don't have the quiz in front of you, you had two lines. You had the presidential line, which has higher voter turnout, and then you had the midterms, which had lower voter turnout. What you had to do was basically go through and say, okay, the first bullet was 55.2, and the first midterm election was 38.1. So what's the difference there? And then go through and do the difference for all of those. righty, And you should have eventually come to a conclusion after doing all that, that all those fell into a range of between 13, a difference of 13% to 23% uh, was the biggest voter turnout difference. All righty. Number two, uh, which of the following best explains why the two election turnout trends differ? Um, the answer was D, presidential elections are better publicized with a national audience than midterm elections. The bottom line is people make a bigger deal about the presidential elections than they do about the congressional elections. That's how it is. That's how it always has been. Uh, even though Congress is the one that does most of the, you know, all the law setting and things like that, most people place a greater importance on the presidential election. Number three, trial balloons are used for what? Uh, assessing a political reaction. Uh, if a politician is not sure of what to do, what the people think, then he might release a little bit of information. And he or she might release a little bit of information and try and gauge what the public is going to be thinking. If there's a huge backlash, then maybe he doesn't do it. If there's a huge outpouring of, hey, that's the way we want to do it, then that's the way he goes, he or she goes. So that's what a trial balloon is, just to try and decide what's the what ways the wind blowing uh, amongst the public. Number four was a uh, passage question. And it had to do with uh, social media all right, and Trump receiving uh, almost $5 billion worth of free media coverage because of the uh, Internet blogs and, and things like that. Um, and it is going to be B. All right. Social media allows candidates to personalize outreach to a new generation of voters, bypassing reliance on political parties and platforms. And this goes back to that whole candidate-centered thing where the candidates don't have to rely on the parties to do uh, everything for them as far as you know, campaigning and, and, and things like that. Um, candidates, and you know, look now, most candidates have some kind of Twitter presence, some kind of Instagram presence, presence some kind of social media presence, whatever it might be. Number five, which the following is a linkage function primarily associated with U.S. political parties? The answer was A, mobilizing voters to elect a candidate advocating preferred ideological positions on political issues. All right. Mobilizing voters, that is the trying to get people to go out and vote, trying to get people out to register to vote. Uh, and of the answers, you know, that was the best. They don't schedule elections, which is what B said. Um, they don't observe and communicate with the public on policymaking, all right, and the performance of elected officials. They, they, they might take your opinion, but generally, if they're okay with the person, then they're going to, to run with that, all right? They're not going to take that um, into account. And then influencing lawmakers to vote a certain way on sp specific political policy issues, 
you know, they can, I guess, possibly, but that's not that's not what they're supposed to do. All right. Uh, six, which of the following is a potential danger associated with open primaries? Uh, the answer was B. The other party can raid the primary to vote for the least viable candidate. So let's go vote for the worst candidate. Let's go vote for Chris Daniels, fella, because he would be the worst possible candidate that the, the party could put out. And uh, that way, that's who we want to run against because we can we can stomp the floor with him. Alrighty. Uh, seven, which of the following statements is the most valid criticism of voting for a third party in the U.S. political system? Uh, the answer was D. Uh, your third party vote may help a candidate that you disagree with. So basically, the third party candidate is not going to win. So the fear is you're basically throwing your vote away and you might actually be taking votes away from the person you dislike the most. So if I go vote for this third party candidate, and I would have voted for this person, then that's kind of a vote for the, the, the other opponent. Number eight was a table you had to read, uh, and the above is a detail of registered voters in Florida. Um, what's it called? Uh, the answer was A, party dealignment. All right. So uh, because there were so many people who were other and um, whatnot, they, uh, that's, that's party dealignment where you're taken away, taking a step back from uh, the party. Number nine was an iron triangle question. The iron triangles or sub-governments are composed of key interest group leaders interested in policy X, the government agency in charge of administering policy X, and the blank handling policy X. The answer was A, congressional committees and subcommittees. Remember, the iron triangle is made up of the bureaucracy, the interest group, and the congressional committees. That's the three groups and within the interest within the uh, iron triangle. And the congressional committees, they're the ones that actually create the policy, can affect the policy the most because they're in Congress and that's where they work on bills and laws. Uh, number 10, linkage institutions such as interest groups. Uh, the answer is C, translate inputs. This was part of the, that same uh, graph that you had to look at or image. Translate inputs from the public into outputs from the policymakers. So interest groups, okay, are going to, they don't get to enforce the, the laws or the uh, the policies that are put out by Congress, but they will look at them, they will interpret them, and they will have an idea of how they want them run, and they will get that message out to the public. Number 11, uh, the blank problem occurs when people fail to join a group. That was a free rider. I remember I told you I'm a free rider. Uh, I don't join uh, any any teaching groups or things like that because if they ever negotiate anything and get a higher pay, pay salary for teachers, I'm still going to get it. So why should I join? Uh, Twelve, why are campaign contributions so important for interest groups seeking to influence government? A lot of people miss this one. A lot of people put D. So let's go over it real quickly. All right. The answer was C. Uh, groups can offer contributions in return for favorable votes on pending legislation. All right. So that's the answer. Uh, offer contributions in return for favorable votes on pending legislation. It's kind of a quid pro quo. We're going to give you money and then we would like for you to do this. A lot of people put D, members of Congress or better listeners when hearing from interest groups that financially supported their campaign. There's no guarantee there. Okay, and that's why it's not D. Um, and the whole part about being better listeners when hearing from interest groups that financially supported their campaign, uh, they don't have to. Okay, they don't have to. Um, so, of course, maybe that's a poorly worded question, um, but the answer is going to be C, groups offer that contributions. In, in return for favorable, that's the whole goal, okay? That's the whole goal is that they're going to get those favorable votes on pending legislation. And once again, they're not going to give money to people who vote against them constantly. 
All right, 13 and 14 uh, came from a passage uh, on the Citizens United versus FEC. Uh, on which constitutional principle did the Supreme Court base its ruling in Citizens United? That's freedom of speech. And remember, at the heart of all these problems with the, the campaign finance and stuff like that, uh, it has been, is it a, a freedom of speech? Is the money, is the spending uh, a valid thing to do with freedom of speech? Number 14, what did the Supreme Court declare unconstitutional in Citizens United? Uh, that was the limits on corporate political expenditures. So corporations, big business can spend what they want to. 15, prior to being banned in 2002, by the McCain-Feingold Act, unlimited mon monetary contributions that were earmarked for party-building exercises. Uh, that's going to be soft money. Okay, Remember, soft money can be given uh, as much as you want to to the party, and they can do what they want with that money uh, as long as it's not going directly to the candidate. Hard money is the money that goes directly to the candidate and has to be registered. 16, in which of the following might political action committees invest their contributions? Uh, that's going to be incumbents. Remember, those are the people who have a voting record, who probably have a track record with the the political action committee with the interest groups. So they're going to give that money there. Number 17 was a table. Uh, and you had to see the Republicans, Democrats, Green Party, Reform Party, and the electoral votes they got and the popular votes they got. And the question was, based on the results shown on the table, who won the election? And we had to take a look at it and decide that, well, the Republican Party got 51% of the electoral votes. So that means they won, even though the Democratic Party got 48% of the popular vote. Alrighty. Number 18 was a passage. Um, some group was discussing um, their candidates, and the question was, which of the following accurately describes the term for the political activity? The answer was a presidential caucus. Remember, that's where you go and meet and talk and discuss the candidates with people. 19, the actual goal of those running in primaries caucuses for a presidential nomination game is to, uh, the answer is C, win the majority of convention delegate votes in order to win the primary nomination. So they're going to get the delegates pledged to them during the primaries and the caucuses and things like that. But at the end of the day, they have to get the votes officially at the national convention. Uh, 20, which of the following scenarios best describes a candidate-centered campaign? The answer was A, the candidate takes most of the initiative by hiring a professional campaign manager and soliciting contributions online. A lot of times that would come all directly from the, the, the party. Already, uh, twenty one was the uh, twenty one to thirty was a fill in blank stuff. Uh, uh, this was myth. This was split kind of uh, voting with one party for an office and another party for other offices. So you're you're voting for two different parties there. That's split ticket voting. So when you vote Republican for Republican but Democrat for the congressman or vice versa, that's split ticket. Number twenty two, uh, the main goals are to play the role of spoiler and to get national attention for their platforms. Uh, examples were Free Soil, Bull Moose, the American Independent Party. This was third parties, all right? Remember, that's the, one of the main goals of the third party is to spoil the election for one of the other party members, one of the main parties, and then to get national attention for their platform. A interest group is not going to do that. A lot of people put interest groups for this answer. An interest group is not going to, to run and play a spoiler role and then try and get attention that way for their platform. They have other means to do that. 23, legal documents submitted by the friend of a court for the purpose of raising additional points of view and presenting information not contained in informal briefs. That's amicus curiae. So those are those letters that uh, get written to the, the Supreme Court. 24, an individual that attempts to influence congressmen on behalf of an interest group. Uh, that is a lobbyist. The lobbyists are going to go out and try and uh, get support for a measure. 
25, these are staged primarily for the purpose of being covered by the media to present a public official in a favorable manner. That's the media event. So, hey, we're going to be going to this children's hospital. Uh, we would like for you to be their media so you can cover that and how nice of a person I am. 26, voting based on what is perceived to be in the citizen's best individual interest. That's the rational choice. Remember, you also had retrospective voting. What have you done for me lately? Things like that. Okay, but rational choice is what's in your best interest right now. 27, uh, blank was an effort to ban soft money and reduce attack ads, and that's the McCain-Feingold Act. Remember, we had, we've had we had stuff in place with the FECA back in the 1970s, and then they tried to strengthen that with the McCain-Feingold Act. 28, in the American election system, most states have a winner-take-all method of distributing electoral votes. Only Maine and Nebraska use a proportional system. So that's where we're going to split up the votes based on what the, the popular vote says. So it could be 40, 40, 20, or something like that. Uh, 29 PACs, political action committees were created to get around campaign contribution limits. Um, remember, uh, I'm limited how much I can donate. So I want to donate more than the, the $2,000 or the, the $2,500 that I'm limited to. So I have this extra $8,000. Let me give it to the political action committee who can then turn around and donate and do other things with it. And then lastly, 30 political efficacy is a belief that your individual vote matters and will make a difference in elections and, and politics. All right. So there is the quiz debriefing. If you have other questions, feel free to hit me up on Remind or email me or come see me in the morning uh, and we can talk about any of those those questions uh, and problems. All righty. Take care.